So have you ever held the door open for somebody? Ever, ever opened a door for somebody? You know, like you went to the cupcake store, and when you got to the cupcake store, there was another person that kind of stepped up about the same time you did, and so you kind of reached over and held the door for them and let them go first, and the, the fact that they went first means they were in front of you in line. And when they got up to their time to get their cupcake, they got the very last red velvet cupcake with cream cheese frosting and cinnamon bacon sprinkles on top. Yeah. I mean, the only reason you even went to the cupcake store was to get a red velvet cupcake with cream cheese frosting and cinnamon bacon sprinkles on top. That's, that's why you're there. And so you're sitting there. They get the last one. They leave, and there's only one cupcake in the whole shelf, and, and that's the one you get. So you're driving home and you're eating that rutabaga cupcake with the cream of broccoli frosting and you're just thinking, man, why did I hold the door open for that person? Yeah. Just, just me? Am I the only one who ever had that moment? Okay, all right. Listen, one of the easiest, most practical, most kind things that you can do as a human being is hold the door for somebody. There's, there's nothing easier than just holding the door and letting somebody go in front of you. It's, it's a powerful thing. And let me just give you two quick tips, too. If someone holds the door for you, when you walk through, say thank you, all right? Just say thank you or say thanks or, you know, say get on you, mate, or I mean something, you know, just, just respond. And if you're holding the door and they say thanks, come on, just keep it going, right? Just, you know, say you're welcome or, you know, pull Chick-fil-A, you know, my pleasure, you know, or, or walk in the door with them and say, hey, what do we want to look at first, you know, just, just do something with them, you know, say something. But what if I were to tell you that holding the door for someone else is not just a reflection of kindness, what if I were to tell you that holding the door for someone else is actually a reflection of greatness? That if you want to be great on this earth, you must be a door holder. What in the world does that mean? Let's see if we can find out. We conclude our series today, 7G, the speed you need. Each week we, we take a theme from the Bible that begins with the letter G, and our theme today is great. Our message today is great. We're going to ask the Apostle Paul to help us with his letter to the church at Philippi. So listen to Philippians 2, beginning with verse 5. Paul writes, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now look, none of us are perfect, all right? We got that. But how's your attitude doing these days? Hmm? How's your attitude? Are you high? Are you low? Are you angry? Are you apathetic? Are you fearful? Are you frustrated? How's your attitude? You know, a lot of things affect our attitude, right? I mean, there's all kind of things that have an influence on our attitude at, at any given moment. You could have a, a difficult attitude because you've had too much coffee. For some of you, you could have a difficult attitude because you haven't had enough coffee, right? You know who you are. Sometimes it's too much sugar. Sometimes it's too little sleep. Sometimes it's a sickness or, or medication or, or hormones or pain or grief. There's, there's lots of things out there that can move and, and change and adjust and fuel and feed our attitude. But more often than we're willing to admit, our attitudes are fueled by what we believe or what we don't believe, by what we're thinking in that moment. 
and maybe even beyond that, sometimes our attitudes are being fueled by the lies that we're listening to or the lies that we ourselves are believing. Let me just give you kind of a practical example of, of what that could look like. I think I've shared this with you before, but when my oldest son was just a wee lad, uh, he decided to spend way too long chewing on a plastic fork, uh, broke off a tine, and swallowed it. So we ended up uh, most of the day at the emergency room. Now, on that same particular day, a member of our church at the time uh, was taken to another hospital in another city. Now, imagine at the end of the day, that church member sitting in the hospital, and they say, well, I can't believe Dow hadn't been to see me. He just doesn't love me. He doesn't care about me. Now, that wouldn't be true, right? Because in that moment, it has nothing to do with me not loving or not caring about them. It's just in that moment in history, my son is the priority, not, not someone else at the hospital, him at the hospital. And we have examples throughout our life like that, right? In the moment, we can have some stinking thinking, and we don't even realize we're doing it. But sometimes it's because of what we are thinking. Dare we say Scripture would tell us it's always because of what we're thinking. So we really do need to have some moments where we have a a mental stop, drop, and roll, and we look into, hey, what am I thinking right now? What am I believing? Am Am I listening to truth or am I listening to lies? Because that is what will fuel our attitude. And Paul's writing to his friends in Philippi. He said, look, you need to think about what you believe. You need to think about what you're thinking about because what you're thinking influences your attitude and you need to have the same attitude of Jesus. Christians need to have the same attitude of Jesus. And what kind of attitude did Jesus have? Well, Paul's going to kind of diagram it for us. Look beginning in verse 6. Who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. Jesus is truly God and truly man at the same time. How is that possible? I can't tell you. Not because I can or won't. It's because it's not some ancient Chinese secret. It's just no way to explain there's no way to, to, you know, physiologically or mathematically or quantum physically try to explain that Jesus is truly God and truly man. But just because I can't explain it in a way that might, you know, scratch our scientific reasoning, does that mean that it's not true? No, it doesn't. A couple of Sundays ago, I shared with you a thought from Billy Graham. He said this. He said, I can't see the wind, but I can see the effects of the wind. So I may not be able to perfectly explain to you how Jesus is truly God and and truly man, but I can see the effects of that truth. I see the impact of that truth on all of history. I see the impact of that truth of who Jesus is on the entire world. I see the impact of that truth on this church. I see the impact of that truth in my life and in the lives of millions of other Christians around the world. This is the truth of who Jesus is. And just because we can't explain it doesn't mean that it's true. We see the impact. We see the effect of Jesus being truly God and truly man. But so what? Well, why does it matter? Well, it matters because when it comes to the gates of eternity, there's only one form of payment that's accepted, just the one. And it's not a perfect attendance ribbon from the church. And it's not just having a, a good family or a cold beer or some fried chicken. And it's not having a good career in a, a Little League baseball field named after you. No, those currencies won't work. 
According to all that we see in the pages of Scripture, the only currency, the only payment that will work at the gates of heaven is this. Here's the payment, perfection. That's it. It's the only payment that will work to get into the gates of eternity is perfection. Now, if you win a, a free car, you still got to pay for gas, right? If you win a free house, you still have to pay the taxes. If you win three pounds of free bacon, you still will eventually have to go do blood work at the doctor, you know? I mean, there, there is nothing in life that's free. We know this. And the same is true when it comes to being right with God. The same is true when it comes to living forever. It's not free. There's a payment that has to be made, and the payment has to be perfect. There's only a perfect payment that will work for the penalty of sin. But here's the problem. I'm not perfect, and neither are you. And I will never be, and neither will you. And no one in your family has ever been perfect, and no one in your family will ever be perfect. There are no humans that have ever been perfect except Jesus. Jesus is the only perfect human that has ever existed on this earth. But his humanity, his perfect humanity, was not enough by itself to validate the payment for sin. He also needed the nature and character of God. And so in Jesus, the payment that was made through the cross, it works. It's the currency that works because in Jesus we have perfection, the perfect man, the perfect God, truly man, truly God. He is the only one who qualifies to make the payment. There is no one like Jesus. However, Paul says that Jesus didn't take that as this equality with God to be grasped. In other words, Jesus didn't take his divinity and hold it up as a trophy and say, look how great I am. No, there was a completely different way that Jesus responded. He was selfless. Selfless. He wasn't selfish. He was selfless. And Paul is telling Christians, you need to have this same kind of attitude. Same kind of attitude that we see in Jesus, you need to have in yourself. And, and really the picture here is Jesus kept a, a loose grip on his divinity, so to speak. He wasn't holding it up as a trophy in everybody's face 24 hours a day. He did something different. So the challenge, as someone has said, is this. How loose is your grip on your things? How loose is the grip on your things? What do you own? Do you own cars, property, investments? What is it that you own? What do, what do you have? What are you able to do? How loose is your grip on those things? How loose is your grip on your house or your car or your money or your investments? How loose is the grip you have on your health or your intelligence or your education or your skills or your talents? How, how loose is your grip? Because Jesus was truly man and truly God, equality with God, but he did not hold up his trophy in front of people and say, mine, mine, mine. He didn't. He did something different. What did he do? Listen to verse 7. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. 
Someone said this is like a, a king putting on the clothes of a peasant. I mean, imagine, right? You, you have a king, he's in the palace, and, and he puts on some peasant clothes, and he goes out in the village. He wanders around outside the palace. He looks completely different outside the palace as he did inside because his clothes are very different, but he's still the king. And he's walking around and, and he's trying to pay attention to the people that are in his kingdom, looking at their daily lives, thinking, how can I help them? How can I serve them better? When suddenly he hears a child screaming. And so he makes his way, pursues, runs toward that scream, and he finds a child that's fallen into the river, and the river is, is raging a little bit. And the king looks around, he, he grabs a limb, and he dives into the river, and he starts moving as fast as he can to the child. And as he gets a little closer, he holds that limb out, and the child's able to grab hold of that limb. And then they kind of grab the limb together, and he begins to, king begins to kick back toward the shore, but, but there's too much weight on the limb. So he lets go and he pushes the child and the limb toward the shore. And the child makes it to the shore. But the king was too far out. His strength failed him and, and he went under the current. That king, put on the clothes of a peasant, went out into his kingdom to see if he could help people. And ultimately what it did was he lost his life because of his choice to take on that clothing. Make no mistake, the king was dressed like a peasant, but that child was rescued by the king. Jesus emptied himself of anything that would hinder him from bringing glory to God. And he emptied himself of anything that would hinder him from rescuing you. He didn't hold up a, a trophy as some arrogant distraction. He emptied himself of anything that would keep him from coming to you. And Paul says, you need to have the same kind of attitude as that. So, look at your life. What do you need to empty yourself of? Well, what do you need to empty out? What... TV show or, or movie or sports team or hobby are you prizing more than God? What selfish attitude or selfish behavior towards your wife or your husband or your parents or your kids or are you having in such a way that it's preventing you from glorifying God in your marriage, glorifying God in your family? What trophy are you trying to get at work or school? Some, some recognition that, that's become so obsessive to you that it is hindering you from glorifying God to the people around you, hindering you from helping them see the greatness of the good news about Jesus. Jesus emptied himself of anything that would hinder him from glorifying God or rescuing us. That's not all he did. Listen to verse 8. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. That's the ultimate attitude of Jesus, and it is the ultimate attitude that Christians have been called to, an attitude of humility. C.S. Lewis somewhat famously said this, true humility is not thinking less of yourself, it is thinking of yourself less. Someone may say, well, that, that sounds really 
nice. It sounds very noble. Sounds like a very good thing to do. But that doesn't work in the real world. (laughs) Humility, I'm not going to make the team with humility. I'm not going to become valedictorian with humility. I'm not going to get a great job with humility. I'm not going to get that promotion with humility. Where is Paul getting this stuff? Emptying yourself? Humbling yourself? Where's he getting this stuff? He's getting all of this stuff from the attitude of Jesus Christ. All of this stuff is coming directly from Jesus. Jesus was a man of humility. Jesus humbled himself. And how far did he go with it? I mean, how how deep did Jesus take this humility thing? This is how deep he took it. Verse 8. By becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. See, Jesus did not wander through town one day and just by a stroke of luck jump into a river and and save us. No, according to everything that we see in the Bible recorded in the truth of Scripture and even in history, Jesus was publicly tortured on purpose. Jesus was publicly humiliated on purpose. Jesus was publicly executed on purpose. And all for things that he didn't do. All of that happened. The the crucifixion happened. The humiliation, the torture. It all happened for things that we have done. Jesus was crucified for my sin and, and your sin. Jesus was the ultimate act of humility. You know, historically speaking, to be crucified on a cross, it wasn't just like a bad thing. It was like a really, really bad thing. Like, you couldn't legally be crucified on the cross if you were a Roman. If you're a Roman citizen, it was illegal for you to be crucified. They, they thought so terribly about it. And the Jews, if you were a Jew, it was even worse. If you were a Jew and you were crucified on a cross, it was believed that you had been cursed by God. That God himself had cursed you. Don't, don't miss the reality of that. The Jews, they thought the cross was a curse. And yet, Jesus through the cross, lifted the curse. Truly God, truly man, humbled himself, obedience even to the cross, so that we might be saved, so that we might have hope. And Paul says, if you're a Christian, you need to have the same attitude. (laughs) Okay, that's easy, right? The same attitude of Jesus who was crucified on a cross, how am I supposed to pull that one off? Well, you can't, you know, you you can't perfectly and exactly follow what Jesus did because you're not truly God and truly man. But as believers, we can follow his example. We can follow the example that he has set. And what is that example? One day his friends were arguing about who was the greatest among them. And Jesus entered into the conversation and said this, Mark chapter 9, If anyone wants to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. This, this is greatness Jesus is speaking of. True greatness is serving others. True greatness is emptying yourself. 
True greatness is having an attitude of humility. This is greatness. Or maybe we could put it another way. Greatness is being a door holder. Greatness is being a door holder. So what does that look like in real life? Well, eight weeks ago, I drove the bus for our YoPro group to go to the Passion Conference in Atlanta, Georgia. Passion Conference is an annual Christian conference geared for 18 to 25-year-olds. And, and we got there, and, and it takes a minute to set the alarm on the bus. So the crew went ahead up to the, to the arena. It was at the Mercedes-Benz Arena where the Atlanta Falcons play in Atlanta. And so I was you know, a couple of minutes late behind them. And so when I came into the building, as soon as I came in through the main doors... All I saw was, was hundreds of volunteers with these black t-shirts on. And on the back of those black t-shirts, it said in big letters, door holder. They were everywhere. I went up one set of escalators. There, there's a whole other crew up there. I go up another set of escalators. There's a whole crew up there. And I, I got up those escalators kind of on the, the first level of where you can walk out into the arena. And, and I walked up and there was this one little area and it had four little concrete doorways. And you couldn't walk all the way through those doorways because there were ropes, but you could kind of step in that little eave. And the reason you couldn't walk through is there was this huge track with this gigantic camera, this big professional thing. It was, it was all sitting right there, so you couldn't walk all the way through. But I got up right to the edge, and, and I kind of stepped into the eave of that door. And, and, and it was this amazing moment where my head was in the hallway, and there's lots of noise in the hallway but as soon as my head got past that concrete eave, my head was, was in the arena. And once I was in the arena, I, I, just, I just heard singing. I didn't know the song, never heard it, didn't know the words. But something immediately happened to me in that moment. I just started weeping. <laughs> I mean, I'm I mean, I, I'll cry at a chick flick, you know, I will. I mean, I'll tear up a little bit, but I'm not a big crier. I, I just started weeping, somewhat uncontrollably, for like 10 minutes. Like, I couldn't stop. There, there was four, I kept walking farther away from that first one. Because like, <laughs> I knew people were like, what's, what's wrong with that guy? But, but here's what it was. 60,000 people were in that room most of them 18 to 25 year olds and I went from setting the alarm on the bus to walking a good piece through freezing cold weather to to get up and and climb all these escalators and and I walk inside and and I hear 60,000 people singing oh Christ be magnified let his praise arise Christ be magnified in me. And and you know what happened to me in that moment and why I was crying? It was the first moment in almost 50 years of life that I went, oh, this is a taste of what my forever will be. I've never had a moment And 49 years of life where I felt like I was somewhere in connection with heaven. People from all over the world were in that room. People of every tongue and tribe and nation in that room. People of every social, economic background, ethnic background. Everybody, Christ, be magnified. 
I'll never forget that moment. And I'm always driving the bus to Passion. I'm going every year. I'm not going to miss. Once I finally kind of composed myself, I became absolutely obsessed with the two guys in front of me. (laughs) The cameramen. It, It was crazy. There was this huge track, this gigantic camera, and there were these two guys and one guy would, would sit up in the big chair and he's kind of manning the camera and the other guy is just running nonstop back and forth and back and forth on this track. It, it was just, it was mesmerizing. Like, what in the world? And they did this for three days for about 14 hours a day with hardly any breaks. But they did have one little break at, at one moment and they came over to get a drink of water, and I was like, dude, y'all are amazing. I mean, I just immediately jumped into a conversation with them. I was like, I can't believe what y'all are doing. This is so much work. This is fascinating. I started asking them all these technical questions, and then I was like, hey, so, so you guys, I guess y'all, y'all do all the events here? You know, do the, the football games and the political conventions and the concert. I mean, I guess y'all do everything. What a cool job y'all have. And they looked at me with very kind but very confused faces, and they said, no, 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 no. We're, we're door holders. I was like, what? Yeah, we're, we're just volunteers from our church, the, the, the primary church that kind of sponsors this conference. They, they were volunteering 14 hours a day for three days, running that track up and down constantly over and over again. I, I didn't know what to do. I, could, I couldn't get my mind around that thought. Their names are Alexi and Marcos. I love those guys. Alexi and I text all the time. He's a chef. Been on Food Network on several uh, competitive shows and stuff. But I was amazed with their desire to be a door holder. Because that's what Alexi said. I said, so y'all do this professionally? He goes, no, we're, we're just door holders. But you're not at a door. No, that's what we call everybody at our church. Everybody's a door holder. I a door holder. Huh. So I began to ask him more about door holders at his church. And here's the amazing thing. The speakers were fantastic. The musicians were fantastic. Everything about this conference was just glorious. But the biggest gospel impact on my life at that conference of more than 60,000 people were a couple of volunteer cameramen. Because they love Jesus and they serve Jesus holding no trophies and with nothing in return but just the joy of serving. And can I say, those two guys in all of their work, they kept smiling and kept smiling and kept smiling. They were singing the songs for 14 hours along with the rest of us. They never lost their energy and their fervor. And they were just volunteers. They were just door holders. But they weren't just door holders. They were door holders. You see, the the door of eternity had opened up to them. They had found Jesus through the door that Jesus opened. See, Jesus opened the door to eternity. They went through, and you know what they're doing now? What can we do to hold the door for other people too? Yesterday at their church, they had their door holders conference, a little encouraging time for, for their volunteers at the church. And, and the theme was we equals me. 
meaning we are the church, but that means me. I have my part in the we, me in the we. And I want you just to, to listen to the promo video that they made uh, for their door holders conference. I may not be running the whole house. I'm owning my hallway, my doorway, my tent, my crib, my family group, my neighborhood. I'm owning my camera, my mixing board. I'm owning my entrance to the parking lot. I'm owning my spot. And when we own every inch, every hallway, every doorway, every seen or unseen inch, physically and spiritually of this house, when we all together say, don't you think this isn't as important a square inch as any square inch in this house. I will make sure it reflects the spirit and the heart and the passion of everything our family is. Because if I don't, nobody will. Because that's my corner. That's my hallway. That's my doorway. That's me. Hmm. That, that's it, right? I mean, look. I got to run this house and I'm, I'll, I'll hand it off to you most days, all right? It's tough. <laughs> but you know, we all don't get to run the house, but we all get to be door holders. We all get to be door holders. And there are hundreds of ways for you to be a door holder at Holland Avenue Baptist Church. If you're a Christian, you've been called to be a door holder. If you're a member of this church, you've been called to be a door holder. We, we gave you, I don't know, 15 some, some odd ministries that you can be a door holder in. We have hundreds of ways for you to be a door holder that have nothing to do with a door. Please don't confuse that the deacons are the only door holders in the church, okay? There is a door for you. Find your square inch. Find your door for the glory of God. God and for the good of your soul, find your door. We, we'd love to help you. We've, we've had two people contact us this week with a passion for a certain ministry, and we're just coming alongside them and helping them. You know, we don't have to create ministry for you. You know, we're not the hall monitors. We're just the helpers. We'd love to help you find your place. If you're looking for a way to kind of start thinking, you can go to our website, hollandavenue.com backslash purpose. You can click on the, you can go to the link. There's a link on there. Take a spiritual gift test. It'll only take you maybe five minutes just to kind of get your mind moving in a direction. Hey, where's my door? Where, where's that place for me to serve? Where, where is my hallway? Where is my parking lot? Where is my group? I have found that over the years, one of my biggest frustrations as a leader is that sometimes I'm too much of a door holder. <laughs> I, I love holding doors. Love it. It's a great thing to hold a door because the door has been held open for us. Jesus is the door to eternity. He's held the door for us. Let's hold the door for others. In 1955, for the first time, in the life of this church, the door was held open at Holland Avenue for someone to find Jesus. And by God's grace, the mission continues. We are still holding the door open. And all we can say to that is, to God be the glory.